0: Welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa, where we review the top 100 horror movies of all time. My name's Ollie.
1: And I'm Kirsty. How you doing? I'm good. It is the stormiest day we've had in a while, so it's perfect horror movie watching weather. So I was
0: going to say, when we were watching Hellraiser earlier on, I was like...
1: This yes. is the, this is the
0: right. I'm getting the I'm getting the vibe. <laughs>
1: this is it. it Perfect watching
0: weather. <laughs> but there you go. Um, so what's been going on?
1: Uh, not much really. Um, we really appreciate. There's been a lot of people who have been liking, following, and everything. And we are incredibly close to getting to 1,000 downloads. So we're thinking that uh, the Hellraiser episode hopefully will push us over that. So we'll have some good news uh going into the next episode that we've reached over a thousand downloads so thank you so much for listening
0: if uh, if it if it does get to a thousand we'll be uh making sacrifices to pinhead and all his uh, sandbite <laughs> chums so there you go um but yeah hellraiser
1: yeah so straight week,
0: into it yeah. no, need to, no need to fanny around when yeah. there's uh the pleasures of the flesh (laughs)
1: yeah so hellraiser is number 75 on our list it came out in 1987 uh the it was uh created written directed and screenwritten by clive barker who just did everything because he's great so so yeah uh this is actually only the, the second british film that we've had on the list so far the first one was dracula um but before that we've had you know usa australia new zealand italians uh spanish canadian so it's quite good to see another like british made yeah. movie now so yeah i was uh quite pleased it's got with the it
0: bulldog spirit
1: <laughs> well the thing is they changed it because they thought that um because it was filmed in england like the house itself is in uh north london it's in dollis
0: hill i was gonna say you say english production i hear a variety of accents and yeah i, just, I was like wait a minute why are all everyone who seems to populate this part of London seems to be American yeah so one. so
1: basically it was uh, when they made it they were like we filmed it in North London it was like Cricklewood Studios and all those sorts of things but when uh, the studio came to be like oh, okay well uh, you know we, we want it to be popular in America we're gonna dub people over so Sean Chapman who played uh, Frank mm. is a British actor and they dubbed him to be American so
0: that um wow weird
1: yeah to make it more popular and they mention you know like, oh well it's better than Brooklyn and you know like it's like obviously a lot of English London locations that they use for filming Yeah. but they make, they try to make it as generic as possible so that it could be on the outskirts of New York or no somewhere way. like that there's and I that, was just like every
0: time I looked at things in that house I was like this is straight up my nan had that you know what I mean <laughs> there's no way that I was believing this, this, uh, this yeah. could be some upstate no bullshit <laughs> total bullshit yes
1: but, um, yeah, it was actually based on The Hellbound Heart, which is Clive Barker's uh, novella. Um, he wrote The Books of Blood, which just sounds so metal. Um, and he wanted to call it The Hellbound Heart, and the studio were like, eh, sounds like a romance film somehow. Sounds kind so, of like
0: a, a Poe novel.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, well, there are various sort of telltale heart bits, aren't yeah, there, definitely, without, but... throughout the film. But, yeah, The Hellbound Heart was the original title of his book, and he wanted to call it that. And then, uh, when they were like, "Mm, don't really like that, and he was like, well, how about Sado Masochist from Beyond the Grave? (laughs) They, funnily enough, didn't like that. No. He then wanted to call it Hellbound, uh, which ended up being Hellraiser 2 and christopher figg who was the producer came up with hellraiser and that stuck so
0: cool yeah. uh, well they they certainly landed on the right one yeah although hellbound is pretty cool as well i
1: did i did also like that i read that uh when he was trying to think of suggestions he opened it up to the crew and some 60 year old woman was uh said something along the lines of uh what a woman will do for a good fuck <laughs> <laughs> don't think that would have worked as a film title but very creative i think i, that le- it. I
0: think that actually leads us on to one of my first <laughs> points this is a sexy movie it is sexy
1: yeah
0: sexy in a very non-traditional way yes granted it's very
1: twisted but, but, oof, but
0: yeah hot hot under the my pvc collar
1: <laughs> he's not wearing a pvc collar that would <laughs> no worry nothing at all
0: <laughs> just the nipple clamps um <laughs> but yeah grim um, there's uh, yeah it's it's a pretty it's a sensual sessual movie yeah
1: I mean he, he like there were so many bits like when you look at the are you talking about the Cenobites or are you talking about like the whole Just Julia the whole and
0: thi- Frank well, well okay so the one of the first things I noticed um, is that they really kind of like lay it on quite thick that link between kind of uh, violence and sex mm. because Julia's having Julia who's uh one of the main characters she's having kind of like a flashback about dreaming about having sex with this guy Frank um
1: who is who's, her brother-in-law yeah who is
0: her brother-in-law and at the same time in in real time her husband mm. um uh Larry, Larry is um cutting his hand open right seemingly at the moment of 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 climax fulfillment mm-hmm. um, so already you can sort of like the intercutting between these two. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so mm-hmm. we get it. Violence, sex. And, you know, uh, there's definitely a link there. <sighs> there's so many amazing lines that kind of like pull that out even further. But yeah. we'll get to those later on when we get to our good old chums, the Cenobites. Yeah. Um, But go on, give us a bit of a rundown of the plot.
1: Okay. Well, um, the idea is that you have uh, Larry and Julia who've got married. You have uh, Larry's daughter, um... which was, yeah, will add to some extra creepy bits for me Mm. later on in this film. Um, Come to daddy, Kirstie. (laughs) Wrong. Um, And uh, it it turns out that Julia has had an affair after she married Larry. She had an affair with his brother, Frank, who is uh, a very disturbed individual who has decided... He decided that he had uh, reached the point where he could go no further with, like pleasures earthly of, pleasures yes yeah. so he sought out this box which is one of the first things that we see now it's known as the lament configuration which is such a cool name but throughout the film it's just uh, you called know the that box. there's
0: some sort of like emo technical death metal band out there
1: oh hey, my god hey
0: we're the lament configuration <laughs> <laughs> what do they yeah um yeah no
1: they uh they just refer to it as the box throughout this and then like as the um uh, as the, the sort of the the world of Hellraiser expanded, the, you learn more about the stories, the backstories, and the box itself. But it's a puzzle box, um, and it opens portals to hell and allows uh, these creatures called Cenobites through to
0: demons to some yeah. angels to others yes oh, I was like <laughs> <"Me.">
1: <laughs> there is a there is a metal band I looked up that actually has that in their lyrics somewhere I think like, oh yeah for know, sure it's, like, it's so good I'd be so
0: disappointed yeah. in the metal community if there was not
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah they basically arrive they tear Frank to pieces um, and then years later the uh, Julia and Larry move into the house they're having a bit of a strange relationship kind of thing and uh when he when larry cuts his hand as we talked about earlier he comes up to find julia in the in the attic which is the skankiest room in this rather skanky looking house mm-hmm. and uh he drips lovely red painty blood like anyone who was listening to the martin yeah anyone who's listening to the martin episode like where we talked about that wonderful poster paint really vibrant red blood he has that he drips it on the floor and they do this amazing trick where they uh, they dropped it uh, or they made it look like it had dropped, and then it was being absorbed into the floor. What they actually did was they had it under the floor and they pumped it up, and then they filmed it and they reversed the film so it looked like it was being sucked yeah. down. And then you go under the floorboards and you see like the remnants of Frank and like the like uh, lungs and stuff like mm. like breathing uh, as he's being just... re- revived by the blood. So. so I just want
0: to give a big old behind the sofa commendation and shout out to uh bob Keane, mm-hmm. who did the special effects makeup in this movie absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. um 87 it was made so you know yeah so you know things like the thing had come before and like a bunch of other like really great gore uh, gore effects movies but i think this one is super low budget so mm-hmm. it kind of like uh Kind of has a bit of a special place. You know, the transformation, like the rebirth of Frank, I think is so good.
1: Did you get thing from it? Like yeah, the th- Like the thing where like his arms come out yeah, straight arms- and then Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the, the upside down head in the thing. It just made me think of that. And, but- all,
0: the- and all the goop. So much goop.
1: <clears throat> I wrote that down as well. I literally wrote so much goop. There was just like that sort of clear goo, like society yeah. goo. Um, but, I but I just this- love all
0: those different like stages of Frank as well. So we obviously get the very first one where he almost kind of looks a little bit like bit little bit zombie-ish mm-hmm. but then you get the kind of the more blood he kind of uh, absorbs which is uh part of the plot so like he basically rekindles his affair with uh with julia and he tells her that she has to bring him uh victims yeah. so that he can drain them of their you know blood or life mm-hmm. force or whatever mm-hmm. and every victim he has like a little bit more of his body kind of regenerates but I love the different stages he yeah. go through. Like, I just love it when he's um, wearing basically a full suit. Yeah. And then he, but then he's, he just has no skin. So yeah. there's like bits of like polished bone and like sinew and muscle. I was like, oh, he looks so fantastic. Well, I
1: think like clothed Frank- like clothed skinned frank is yeah. creepier than naked frank even though like when he crawls across the floor oh, when yeah, he's like great. really creepy that's <laughs> creepy as hell but what it was is that the guy that they actually had so they had um sean chapman who was the guy who uh, played frank when he was like human mm. they had an extra extra skinny guy i can't remember his name i remember his first name is oliver though i believe okay. um and they got a super super skinny guy so that they could build up the prosthetics and he'd look like a normal sized man he wouldn't look like he had loads of layers on but he was a chain smoker the actor who played him so there are instances in between takes where he was sitting there fully clothed with a cigarette in his mouth and (laughs) clive barker saw it and was like that's fucking great we're putting it in the film like just this guy and and (laughs) just remind me
0: of that guy from beetlejuice who's waiting in the office (laughs) smoking guy yeah
1: i got that but um i mean would you be surprised if you like you said it was low budget this actually came in at under a million dollars to make
0: see that that to me makes it even more uh, impressive especially you know there are some little bits in the end maybe like the weird kind of like void monster that comes out and kind of like chases them down the hallway I'm sure kirsty has got a a bit it has like a special name or something it does but um, things like that there are a couple of bits where it looks a little bit shonky, mm. but you know it's totally endearing. There's yeah. no, I, there was never a point where I was like bullshit. They, <laughs> like, I, I think there was one shot where it's going down the um, when she's in the hospital when Kirsty's in the hospital and it like kind of like chases her down the hallway. Yeah, there's a bit where you can 100% see the car like pushing it from behind. Yeah. Um, but like I said, even that couldn't take it away from me because I was all I thought was a lot of craftsmanship and creativity and skill and knowledge have gone into making mm. these effects. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was well impressed.
1: Yeah, I mean, that bit like you were saying about the creature, I literally wrote down like bug fish because he looks a bit like he's got like creature from the Black Lagoon kind of mouth like looks a bit like creepy. But then he's got like a bug, like a wasp tail. Yeah. But his character is he completely changed look wise from the book into the film. But he's known as the engineer. And he protects uh, okay. he protects the labyrinth, which is the part that she was running in. Uh, and he uh, also makes the torture devices for the Cenobites. That's like his thing. So okay. he creates all of these torturous things. So he
0: creates the Cenobites. Yeah,
1: well no, he creates he creates the torture devices the that the Cenobites use. Oh okay. So Cenobites. So he's like
0: he's like the the hellish version of Q from James Bond. Pretty much.
1: Like he's like I got this <laughs> cool thing for you. Yes. <laughs> but uh but yeah that that whole bit down uh down the corridor uh the reason why it looks a bit mm, not cheaply made but like you can see how it was made um was that the the actual model for the engineer was like seven foot tall uh and the um the corridor itself is only like 15 feet long or something stupid like that i think i read yeah so they had to get ashley lawrence who plays kirsty to basically like run really slowly but bounce up and down a bit while she's running so that her hair moves and so that she looks like she's running fast like she's sprinting but it was actually really short and they had to keep resetting it and like moving back so that she's running a bit further and i was watching it going that's a bit longer than I remember it being when she <laughs> ran into that room but a little it's... bit like
0: Scooby Doo with is like recycled a... backgrounds over and over yes. again
1: but it's still a creepy effect because you're like this creature is terrifying yeah yeah so, it reminded
0: yeah. me a little bit you know, there are loads of great movies where they have like a big giant foam rubber mm-hmm. monster at the end I think of like brain dead uh an evil dead yeah story of ricky all yeah. those kinds of things it's like there's a really awesome kind of like foam rubber monster at the end <laughs> and i love that this kind of uh keeps up that tradition
1: yeah well um I, what, it, what we were saying about the money and everything i'm sure we'll probably talk about it a bit later but like the the end sequences and stuff basically they were just like we have to try and do what we can because we literally have no money left mm. and so bob keen was able to do um the uh like skeletal dragon creature for like 700 (laughs) pounds
0: right what the fuck is the deal with that? i literally
1: have no clue because i I
0: did do a a tiny bit of reading Mm. afterwards and also we watched the the trailer for hellbound which is the second Mm -hmm. hellraiser i from what i um this is just a complete guess there's a demon called leviathan yeah who's like in charge I think that's that demon right okay that would be my guess okay so the guy who basically plays the the, the derelict as they call him in the credits
1: this is like a hobo guy yeah
0: like a trampy guy yeah I th- he sees Kirsty trying to burn you know what I mean we're jumping all over the place here but that's fine he, try- he sees Kirsty burning the the lament configuration puzzle box at the end of the movie and he reaches in and grabs it and he's completely, completely engulfed in yeah, flames yeah completely engulfed in flames Uh, and then he turns into a weird skeletal dragon and flies away (laughs) now I would have to guess that's got to be Leviathan who's like the big boss of hell
1: okay well, or at
0: least someone uh, like a creature working on his behalf
1: I mean one one thing I was just like okay so this is like the fire congregation point for the town this is where everybody puts their fires it was just this. I thought
0: well I thought for a second that it, it was the house the house had burnt down and they what, just couldn't afford to shoot it properly they didn't,
1: they didn't make it massively clear but they did actually like that it was meant to be like the house the idea that the house had burned down but it, is it, it like, was um, it, they looked like they'd just gone onto some wasteland rather yeah. than it being the house
0: because it house didn't look it like was in the same place or anything, no. I Because it reminded me, is it poltergeist? Is the house like
1: sucked into yeah, the ground? Su- yeah. yeah,
0: it kind of reminded me of that. I was like, were they going for that, but they just couldn't afford it, and they were like, let's just cut to their faces and then let's just cut back to some burning wasteland and we'll pretend that it's the same location. I didn't quite understand, yeah.
1: I mean, I think that was maybe what they were going for, but for me, it just literally went, you know, like, let's go to the Springfield tire fire, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's just, it was just a little <laughs> bit odd, but. Yeah, I mean, the way that they got around that was that they sort of lit the house up from the inside so that it was all like glowing orange light as we saw, but it looked a bit more supernatural rather than actual fire because mm. all the lights came on at the same time. And then they they uh, sort of superimposed Frank's photo burning over the top and it was meant to be like, you're meant to believe the house is on fire because oh, okay. it was an actual real house that they were using, which is another reason why when I was watching it, I think I wrote down that like they used a lot of like sweeping camera angles and stuff going up the stairs. And I was like, is that an artistic choice and it actually ended up being cuz they were filming in this very small house and they could fill they could fit maybe like one camera person yeah. in there and so they made the decision to have a lot of like aerial shots or like shots up the staircase and things like that and it was actually like that was all they could do with the space that they had mm. so i was like okay well they they made it work cuz they made it feel like it was consciously you know the, the conscious choice there. Well,
0: I feel like whoever I can't I can't remember off the top of my head who shot this movie, but it looks fantastic. Like hmm. there's so many great like imaginative shots. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, I think the, the the hospital hallway scene is is great. I think any time that you see Frank upstairs, mm-hmm. like emerging from the shadows, <laughs> so sort of like in his various stages of kind of undress yeah looks so good yeah. like they've shot it so well mm-hmm. and anytime that the cenobites turn up in the uh, in the attic and those kind of like weird spinning torture columns show up as well yeah just like everything looks so good yeah. uh, it's a beautifully shot movie um yeah um
1: i'm just there were there's a lot of bits that i was just like mm, okay like uh some of some of the bits where they were just like right we're gonna move into this house even though we've said it smells like damp and it's got this really crappy looking attic and like everything is really gross they have a lot throughout the film and this is the first instance of you seeing it where you have this um, juxtaposition of like real religious iconography mixed with like maggots and decay and Mm. rot and death and so they have that in the house but they're just like okay we'll move in on Sunday and then they move in and then on the day they have a dinner party for their friends and I'm like I would not might do
0: wanna, that. Mona that maggot investigation oh, I know. out first. I wouldn't do
1: that. Like, you'd want to clean it. I was just like, okay, that's a bit weird. You know, I probably wouldn't do that. But... Uh, <laughs> one thing
0: we've not really spoken about so far is the characters, like the main characters. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I just want to say Julia, mm-hmm. the actress whose name is... Claire
1: Higgins. Claire
0: Higgins. Higgins. Fantastic. She so is, good. She is She's got a, good. kind of like a really... Um, almost like a femme fatale sort of but, she does but,
1: towards the end though that's yeah but like wonderful. yeah, so
0: that's what I was going to say Like, so once she she kind of like starts to transform mm. which I think is one of the best things about the performance you know Frank is trying to like convince her to bring uh, different people back to the house so that you know with the promise of sex and then she'll murder them and then he'll steal their blood yep um, the first one she seems really reticent mm-hmm. but then the more she's you know manipulated or allowing herself to be manipulated by Frank because at the end of the day she seems kind of massively bored and mm. depressed and not really fulfilled in her relationship with Larry anyway but you start to see that change come over her like yeah. from murder one to murder two yep. Like, the difference in her performance is so great. And, um, and like I said, and that's when she has that kind of, like, femme fatale look with those, like, dark glasses on in the inside. And I was like, yeah. oh, she looks great.
1: Well, they did the whole Janet Lee in Psycho thing where, like, when she's at the beginning of the film, she's in white underwear because she's very innocent and virginal yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And they made a lot of decisions like that with Kirsty's character and, um, and Julia's character that when we first meet them and see them, they are very dressed in white to signify mm. their innocence and they're, that they're not corrupted. And then as uh, Julia continues, she starts dressing all in black and it's a very conscious change and she's like red-lipped, red nails, you know. And and I was like, oh, I quite like that. You know, It's just... Um, yeah,
0: One same. thing... <laughs> there's a couple of like leaps of uh logic i guess i would say in this movie like no one ever seems to go up into this giant attic room um you know lots of things like that but for me the biggest leap in logic is if i was one of these dudes that that julia (laughs) was bringing home as soon as i saw that room i was like no 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 well let's just go downstairs that nice comfy bed i saw that we walked past no no I can only get horny when I'm being watched by rats and surrounded by black moulds. Yep. That's the only when, way I can do it.
1: I didn't think that. I was just like, for like, for any regular guy, would just be like, no, nah, I'm good. Any and regular like, girl fit, as well. Yeah, and, her, and, and if you turn it the way around if, you, if it was a guy meeting a girl and took the girl home and just like, let's go up to the attic, I'd be like, no, nope, I'm yeah. going.
0: That's where murdering sorry. happens. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I'll leave you at the door here. Thank you very much.
1: But yes, um, I'm trying to think. There, was, there were some other bits like yeah she like you see the shift like we said you know from her being sort of roped into it and actually enjoying it and then by the end he actually like frank is just totally using her like she gets stabbed and he just goes it's nothing personal and then just drains her life out of her. and you're like okay so he really did not care um they the the interesting thing about the cenobites and stuff is because like when people think of hellraiser um they think of pinhead Pinhead, immediately but the cenobites that apart from the few flashes at the beginning they don't actually show up for the lot until the last 20 minutes of the film and that's when they have their first like like speaking part um and And boy
0: do they have some speaking parts yeah and
1: pinhead is not actually named pinhead he is lead cenobite but which is funny because him... all the
0: other well the, the other two two out of the four Cenobites get names
1: butterball and, chatterer. Butterball and the
0: chatterer which... i remember i used to have um it must have been fangoria or maybe starburst back in the day starburst and were, yeah wow. and they used to have um i remember the back pages were always filled with um like scale models yeah. and masks and i always remember seeing and just being so freaked out by the butterball and uh the chatterer, chatterer like, is masks. the creepier one for me oh yeah because
1: he um i think mean, i was reading about it before and it was uh like um the the butterball and chatterer uh characters actually had like bigger parts speaking roles and stuff like that but then once they got them in the into the makeup they were like you're not able to talk or see or yeah. anything at the moment, are you? So like a lot of the lines, including the um, is it when the female Cenobite is like, and she's just called female Cenobite yeah. as well. Um, when she's walking up the stairs towards Kirsty and she's just like, "Are you leaving us so soon?" Like that line, you can imagine Butterball saying it because yeah. he has been like the gross. Yeah, because he know, licks like his lips a bunch leery, of disgusting one for for quite a while.
0: Let's just talk about the look of the Cenobites. Yeah, they, they are, look incredible. They are
1: amazing. And those. I th- I
0: feel like I don't know whether they've completely translated over from the book like if that's mm. how they were described in the book, mm. but whatever the ha- whatever the, you know, the facts are, you know that Clive Barker's had a massive say in the look of those really creations has. and they look amazing they are like straight up iconic like you know if you said to someone think of the you know your top 10 movie monsters Mm -hmm. if Pinhead Pinhead would be pushing that top 10 quite easily I would say yep um, and then like, even, like, the chatterer and Butterball and the female centipede with that weird fucking rip in her neck that she loves to, like, stroke in a very suggestive... Uh, well, come on, I know what it is.
1: It's meant to be, <laughs> like, to show men the... or, like, the, the fear of, like, female sexual yeah. power, basically. Of course. Um, but, that, yeah, it's... Uh, I love the notes that Clive Barker gave to the people when he was just like, this is what I want them to look like, right? So yeah. he said... The note, the specific note, and when the woman uh, who was working on it said, like wrote, like read it back, and she was like, "That is so Clive. Like it's very him. He just put repulsive glamour,
0: (laughs) and that he wanted
1: them to look like magnificent super butchers."
0: Okay, I get that. They're wearing, like, they look yeah, like they're wearing Yeah, they're wearing, wearing like, apron. leather aprons yeah, with, like, horns cut out for nipples he, and nipple rings and stuff. Yeah,
1: well, he gave, um, he gave all the, the motivation and stuff to Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead, who, by the way, just obviously looked so transformed when he was in the makeup that when he went to the wrap party, he f- was upset a little bit because he thought people were kind of ignoring him. And he was like, oh, I thought I got on with all these people. And it turned out they didn't recognise him.
0: Yeah, Because he was that
1: transformed. But, um... Yeah, he, he kind of gave the, the motivation that uh, like Pinhead and the rest of the Cenobites were originally human, but they are so with, m- removed from their humanity now. They've basically got nothing left and they've explored to the very far reaches of pleasure and pain that they can't discern between the two anymore. And so to them, it's all just one thing.
0: Um, like I said, they've he's created this, these amazing looks for these characters, but they also have some massively quotable lines mm. like every time they said something i found myself writing it down you know what i mean like every single bit um will tear your soul apart which is for me is like one of the absolute classics yep. taste our pleasures you know what i mean there's so mm. many weird um, pain and pleasure indivisible. Some pains have to be endured so that uh, what makes the pleasure. Uh, wait, I admit, totally fucked that up. <laughs> Some play, pet pains have to be endured, and that's what makes the pleasure so sweet. Mm. And also, when she's crying, what is it she? They say, it's it's a, like that's a waste
1: of good suffering. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. so cool. It's really good. Um, but-
0: like I said, so he's just come up with these amazing quotable lines mm. that I've just butchered i should have done a good doug bradley impression but there you go um but yeah everything about this movie is iconic in my mind it's got one of the you know sometimes you might think of like phantasm as well but like the puzzle box along with like the the sentinel drone like really really iconic like horror props like the lead villain um whether you think that's frank because you know there are some amazing really iconic frank images like when he's Mm. being pulled apart by all the chains or like you said when he's in the suit with the cigarette and he's like still all his flesh is uh, kind of like regrowing even like and just pinhead pinhead full stop I just think it looks so good it's such an imaginatively created and you know visualised movie I just absolutely love it
1: it really is it's like we were saying you know with with the different characters that you've got and like the just the story behind it like you want to know more like there's like i really want to read the books they've got graphic novels obviously there's several sequels some of them are um, are, held in higher regard than others are there
0: eight sequels to this some crazy i'd be really interested to know which of them are good because the trailer we watched for hellbound didn't look too bad. It looked completely different to this. I think. Like it's much more, it goes, you know, hey, people like this first one, so they give them a little bit of extra money, and then it just, mm-hmm. it's basically all set in hell, right? Yeah. Like they're in the labyrinth.
1: Yeah, and then you've got uh three, which is Hell on Earth, uh which I think has not had too much of a, like, there are people who love it, but it's not as beloved as. A lot of the others so okay but yeah we could look through some of yeah them i'd be that... interested
0: to hear if anyone out there is like a hellraiser uh fan boy stroke girl stroke person uh get in touch with us and let us know which ones are worth watching because i'd be interested in watching because i fucking love this one so much yeah uh so uh behind the sofa uh at behind the sofa podcast on uh facebook and instagram uh and just uh, yeah just hit us up and let us know which are worth watching
1: yeah um let's talk a little bit more about frank like
0: just Ooh, Frank
1: just Frank when he turns up and he's like you know oozing bad boy sexuality to like frustrated housewife Julia uh-huh. to when Kirsty comes into the house and she meets him and he's like it's Uncle Frank and then just becomes the creepiest uncle ever yeah. like Clive Barker actually said to Ashley Lawrence who plays Kirstie, um, like her motivation for that scene and this is his actual lines were okay your uncle's wearing a father's skin and he wants to kill you and have sex with you possibly in that order go wow that was that was it So. well I
0: think it just <laughs> it all just leads in perfectly to you know who the, he is well and just the motivation behind this movie yeah. like the pain and pleasure like one leads to the other you know one brings brings forth the other so it's like you know the, the incest leading to the pleasure of one person and not the other like there's someone else's intense pain would cause uncle frank to be like oh this is absolutely incredible so yeah the whole thing's just so grim and gross
1: it is really gross but it's it's also just like pain
0: and pleasure indivisible like they say yeah
1: it's it's the whole pain and pleasure thing but it's also um was it someone was saying before about like really have a think about your life choices i think was one of the other stories behind it it was just <laughs> like just just think before you make a really stupid decision whether that's Frank deciding to go you know d- open the box whether it's Julia to like move away from her like you know vaguely unfulfilling relationship with a really sweet guy who's very kind to her hmm. um, to go and uh, kill people for her ex-lover so that he can regenerate his body you know just just life choices stand it it's a, a love a story as
0: old as time
1: yes so um, there were a few bits that I wasn't quite understanding or I'm not sure if uh, like it was making sense to me, whether it was something that I was missing or not. So maybe we can have a look at some of those. Yeah. Okay. So um, after uh, Larry is killed and he's up in the attic and he's all skinned and, and everything, yeah. um, and Frank ends up wearing his face, yeah, and he's got a fair amount of goop around his face, and he's just being creepy as hell. And it's Frank, obviously wearing Larry's skin. His own daughter doesn't notice that he's being really leery and creepy, and also his face is kind of not well. I think quite she does. Attached. I think I
0: think she's kind of like worried that he's that some, he's been in some fight with Frank or something's happened to him. Yeah. Because he looks all fucked up and scarred up and there's like blood on the side of his mm. face. I think she, that's why she seems so super concerned. Obviously, she's been kind of like dreaming that something bad is going to happen. But I also just think, in her mind, Frank was just living in in the attic. She had seen him in the attic. Yeah. And then she sees her dad, who's all bloody, and he's like, oh, it's okay. It's all sorted with Frank now. Mm. So dead I, now. I think she's pretty, safe, it's pretty, she's pretty safe in her assumption that... Frank has has been off, and that her dad has been in a fight with him.
1: Okay. Um, the other one was that uh, when you have the sequence where Kirsty has like, uh, like defended herself against Frank. She stole. She steals the box. She throws it out the window, and then runs down the stairs, grabs it, and runs away. And then she's like, you know, suffering from severe shock. I'm imagining, and just sort of collapses. Ends up at the hospital and there's like scenes of blooming flowers uh, appearing over, like superimposed over the screen and then they show up on the TV as well and I'm like, what is the significance of the flowers? I couldn't really find anything. I'm sure someone has gone into it but I don't really understand what the flowery thing was apart from possible well, def- female imagery. Yeah, I was going to say, there's
0: definitely some female imagery. Maybe kind of like a blossoming of that, the sexuality, like the whole pain into pleasure thing.
1: Yeah, Maybe that's oh, that all that's like... you
0: know that's how, it, how i kind of read it like she's starting to realize that you know sexuality is not just about lovely lovely mm. mystery position <laughs> like a man and woman consent <laughs> but it's also kind of uh you know there's some
1: dark stuff there's
0: some dark stuff in there
1: yeah okay um i also spotted which i was like that's kind of cool and i kind of want one for our house so we'll just keep an eye out for one um, right at the very top of the stairs as you're going up towards the attic room.
0: Oh, Azuzu? There's,
1: there's like a Pazuzu style, like, what wooden... What I say, Azuzu? Azuzu. Pazuzu. Pazuzu? There's like a Pazuzu exorcist style, like, wooden carving on the top of the stairs. And then none of the other banister sort of bits as you turn around, none of, none of those have, um uh any carvings or anything on it they're just like really plain this one at the top and i was like is that like a like a weird nod to like there's some creepy shit up here
0: well i'd say yeah and i'd also say thinking about the end of the movie Mm. there's like a weird hellish dragon at the end so maybe it's kind of just like a like a foreshadowing of that yeah and you know up here this is the 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 depths of hell Mm. even though it's you know up rather than down but who yeah. knows who knows okay. but I'd say I'd say that's pretty safe
1: yeah Um. it was definitely
0: deliberate it didn't seem like it was naturally on that banister like no. it, it came with the house yeah. it wasn't a fixture I definitely feel like Clive Barker was there Kind of like nod. super glued it to the top of the banister.
1: <laughs> but um the the other bit was like uh was it Kirsty's boyfriend? I'm not sure if his name is even mentioned. I don't think he even has a name. It's just Kirsty's boyfriend. So uh he turns up to come and see her and see if she's okay and and everything. Uh gets his way into the house, and then all of this shit is happening, so all the cenobites are there. And she's being attacked and she's got this box that she that is like showering out sparks and she's trying to fix it and everything else. And he just comes in and tries to help. He doesn't he's not got like a single what the fuck is going on moment. Yeah. And he just comes in and goes, Oh, okay, I guess we're doing this now and
0: So the, so I guess this leads me on to my criticisms of the movie, mm. which are slight and more it's not even criticisms, it's more like wish list stuff. Right. I number one, I think you're right, I think kirsty and her boyfriend massively underdeveloped i would have liked to have seen some more you know i mean julia and larry i think are fantastic frank is fantastic mm-hmm. in the in the, the parts that he gets um, um but you know i think um as a as a main protagonist i feel like kirsty was very much like uh uh, yeah you know and let's just stick some girl in there and she'll figure it all out she doesn't get any like real character moments yeah all you get is that she doesn't love her stepmother and even then it's not even like she's like oh I hate her yeah. it's more just like I oh, just you know she just doesn't really we don't really talk that much and that's about it um, boyfriend total wallpaper paste you know what <laughs> I mean like plain <laughs> vanilla wafer um, I don't know what's the shit shittest- <laughs> pot noodle flavour <laughs> like the, the mushroom mushroom one whatever it is um, you know chicken and mushroom that's fine um, it's just there's nothing to him absolutely nothing to him yeah um,
1: but she the, um is in like like Ashley Lawrence is in uh, at least five of five the other, of them. like wow. Hellraiser movies as Kirstie so. I'm
0: not saying that I think she did a bad job acting wise I think she was you know with what she was given I thought she was Perfectly fine, oh. but I just don't think that maybe there was enough on the page for her.
1: Yeah, maybe, but um, I mean, she does a good does it does a good job from like uh, most of the early part of the film being Julia being like the main yeah. female lead to kirsty taking over and going into like the remaining part of it but some of the bits that i was saying about earlier that like creep me out is just like frank just saying my name in an incredibly creepy way and i'm like no don't, like it, don't. Right. <laughs> do it
0: um the my other wish was that we got a little bit more backstory on frank okay i bet we we'll, there might be some in parts two, three, four, five, six, seven, mm. eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 3 4 10 11 12 but I would love to have seen some more sleazebagging Frank. Yeah. So I know we get the little bit of him kind we of seducing photos, Julia. Really. We get the photos, which I think is kind of like their attempt at being like, oh, he's a bit of a, a you know, a philanderer. He's like a, you know, feckless sort of dropout. Even though it was not maybe... It's not drop, really a
1: dropout. He's yeah, just like...
0: He's kind of like proactive and yeah. looking for stuff. So maybe that's not even the word. But like I said, I would love to have seen some more of him sort of like... Um, what leads him to the point where he's mm. like, I'm going to open a portal to hell and experience everlasting pain and pleasure at the same time. Yeah. Like, I would love to have seen some more of him, like, you know, maybe I there's enough gore in this movie, but, like, <laughs> maybe him, like, doing a, doing a murder, doing a bad murder or something Ooh. like that, or, you know, looking for different incantations. And, uh, you know, I would love to see to him get to the end of his rope before he's just like okay i'm just gonna immediately get the box open whether that would have been made the beginning less effective because when you see the centibites turn up and you're like whoa what the fuck this is this movie went from zero to 60 yeah it's in not no an no origin seconds. it's not
1: an origin story but but, but so... maybe
0: later on in the film you know what i mean maybe he could have told to julia like yeah, well... how, wh- how did you turn out like this well let me tell you a Sick and depraved tale of how I became totally, you know. Yeah,
1: but the thing is, like, um, I think Clive Barker had actually said that the fact that he um, was able to have those scenes with Frank, where he's vaguely explaining what his uh, what his reasons were and what his goals are and all that kind of stuff, was because in other horror movies where you've got this monster creature Mm. they don't get the opportunity to explain their motives as to why they're doing it so the fact that Frank does get an opportunity like a small opportunity to talk a little bit about what he what his what his his MO MO is
0: yeah but I would have like that that I totally understand because I because i read that quote i think you're you're trying you're like paraphrasing there mm. where he's basically like i found it boring about this the the slash and stalk where mm. you get these great mm-hmm. characters like these great uh, like antagonists but they don't ever get to sort of like reveal anything about themselves which he you know said would be really interesting yeah. and i agree to in, to some extent but then you know you look at certain halloween movies where it's like is it the rob zombie one where he's kind of like let's unpick and tell and reveal everything we know about and make some stuff up and fill in the blanks about you know michael myers and you're like no i'd rather you didn't i feel like he's way (laughs) more effective if you just kind of like let the imagination run wild but for something like you know the Cenobites, he does get to you do get to hear them talk and you get to hear uh, as much as you, as I felt like I needed in this movie mm. in terms of explanation of their, you know what they're all about. I totally got it and I was like, okay, I'm fully on board. But Frank, who has much more screen time yeah. and the whole plot of the movie kind of revolves around him and his actions, yeah. I feel like I would have liked some of, of what he was talking about. Some of that, let the monster explain how he got to... To that point, but yeah. you know. But
1: like we said, there might be a lot more uh, exposition in like previous, uh, or not previous in the uh, in like the multiple sequels. Yeah. They get yeah. the opportunity to explore it a little bit more. So hopefully, would you like? Would you be into watching the sequels? As this, I'd be. In, I'd, your be
0: I'd be into watching the sequels that people say are worth watching. I'm not going to go on the ten movie slog. <laughs> just so, maybe i'd watch some like a youtube compilation of like these are the gnarliest deaths in uh oh. in the crap movies and then that, we can actually watch the good movies that i'd be into okay this is a movie uh, I, I feel like i said about this about something recently and i've maybe about to get some pelters but <laughs> this is a movie that i'd love to see sort of like not not rebooted but like i feel like there could be there's some really great like ideas to mm. be mined and here i am saying this despite the fact that I've not watched any of the eight sequels to it and I'm like (laughs) I want more and I want them better you know I mean maybe it's not up to me to say I want more and better but when you hear a lot of people say "Mm, the sequels none of them really live up to kind of like the promise of the first one Mm. um, which is you know so good I feel like the first one deserves some yeah some well, deeper exploration
1: well they talked about it before there there was there were rumors for many many years that they were going to do like some form of like reboot or like you know like a new like a remake of it um and uh it kind of stopped started for quite a while i think they were talking about it in like 2005 2007 or something like that because there was like one of the one of the sequels came out in 2005 so i think a couple of years later they were sort of still talking about it And then I think the last thing that was talked about it was uh, 2013 Clive Barker was just like, right, you know, like basically the reason why he did this movie, like why he did Hellraiser, the first one, was because he'd had two movies out uh, the year before uh, based on some of his works, um, which I cannot even remember the titles of because they were not great but um he was so unhappy with like the adaptations of his work that he decided to just do this himself mm. so he went to the library to go and check out All two books can not find that he
0: them did, um, i know rawhead rex is one of them yes um and i've seen what did i watch on it like one of those kind of like great YouTube- Reviewers where they're like, right, today we're going to watch a super shitty movie and, <laughs> and make fun of it. Almost like a Mystery Science Theatre 3000 thing, but with super gory movies. Um, I remember seeing a good stretch of Rawhead Rex and, and I you know, I can totally understand why yeah. he, he would be kind of bummed out that that's how they decided to adapt his work.
1: Yeah, so when it came to, like, like he said, in 2013, he was just like, right, well, you know, no one else is doing it, so I'm going to do it myself. So he mm. decided that he was going to try and do it. And then I think the last that we heard about it was maybe like, like three years ago or so when he was just like it's not really moved any further forward than I we thought there doing. had so been a Hellraiser
0: like recently though like within the last eight years okay maybe I'm wrong mm. you, you give us some facts I feel like because <laughs> you know in terms of like wrap up of the movie did it shit you up
1: it didn't shit me up uh, it, it creeped me out it grossed me out.
0: Yeah, definitely grossed me out. That bit. There were some fucking great jump jump scares in this mm. movie as well. One of the best of which was right at the end. There were two. Where one of them happened, and I legitimately jumped, like <laughs> really? which never happens to me when the Jesus statue fell out of the cupboard. <laughs> uh, yes. Because I was I'd completely forgotten about it. I was like, oh fuck it.
1: That that's another like religious iconography, yeah, and then course. juxtaposed with like the maggot ridden corpse. Yeah, that's that the falls second the afterwards. second one is
0: that gnarly gnarly maggot ridden courts with like like this rictus grin and then like just tips forward and maggots just fall all over her yep. and this is one of those scenes where she has to be super quiet because otherwise she's going to get caught I would have screamed <laughs> like a little girl <laughs> at that point There's no way I would have been able to fucking keep my mouth shut <laughs> yeah
1: they had like this one of the good facts was like they had maggot wranglers and cockroach wranglers because they had cockroaches and and stuff on the. I on thought the set, I recognised those
0: cockroaches. Yeah,
1: so they had yeah maggot wranglers and cockroach wranglers, and they had those that part where um, uh, Kirsty is like has the the maggots fall on her like they were like falling down her top because she's like covered in. Covered in grease and sticky stuff or whatever to make her look like she's like sweaty and been through hell because she's like been running. So they were like sticking all over the actress when she was uh, when she was doing it. So I was just like, "That is Well, here really you go. Disgusting. There's there
0: was there's a Hellraiser Judgment which okay. came out in 2018, mm-hmm. 4.3 stars on IMDb, uh, and also has a different guy playing Pinhead. Oh. Um. So so yeah. So oh. there you go. So whether that was the one that he was talking about yeah, maybe. There's, there's a lot of my god there's a lot of them
1: it's a lot there's a lot of media it's not just the movies you've got like you know uh soundtracks that weren't used there was uh, uh, there's a band called coil they're like industrial band yeah. and they did the original soundtrack and then they decided to use like a house music producer to do the music and then coil uh, a few years ago released their like the work that they'd done for hellraiser they couldn't use the words hellraiser but they used like terms that sound very hellraiser-ish Gosh, heck but, they're quite, <laughs> but they're quite um quite rare but like I'd, I'd really like to give them a listen but
0: i saw some absolutely fantastic dvd packaging the other week have you seen that no where it's like a bust of pinhead but it's but then i read underneath in the comments i think it's just about to come out like to so i think maybe off. maybe bloodline okay which i think is four um but someone was like why are they releasing this amazing packaging for basically one of the worst hellraiser movies <laughs> well there you go what are you gonna do oh dear um but in terms of didn't shit me up no but it i did find i it's super visceral super gory mm. very disturbing gore as well some of it like when he's being flayed alive and pulled apart by chains uh, I thought it was fucking great and also I found the distur- real the, the the real life murders like disturbing as well where it's Julia bashing those dudes in the head with a yeah. hammer felt very sort of um like real life serial mm. killer,
1: yeah. Almost well, the, um, like it was
0: slipping into a slightly different movie.
1: I think it was the the BBFC had a, a few issues with this because we know the BBFC have a lot of issues with all these sorts of things. And uh, Clive Barker had said before like there were certainly issues with the gore, but also with the sex stuff. So when they when Frank and Julia are having sex, they allowed two thrusts, mm-hmm. not three. Three would be too much. So they were allowed to show. I've two
0: often th- found that three thrusts is too many. <laughs> Two.
1: <laughs> oh my god oh my if i god. can't get
0: sexy on the hellraiser episode when can i <laughs> no, get sexy it's
1: not happening on the rest of this podcast <laughs> i can tell you um but yeah they they also wanted to see the models uh of the rats to make sure that there was no actual rats that were hurt because like they had them nailed to the wall at that point
0: yeah and then he, sl- sl- he, onori- he slits that one up the yeah, back as well honorary
1: good boys for those because i do love rats and clive barker and ashley lawrence are both rat Uh, Parents, rat owners so they both cringe at that scene now because it's horrible Um, the female Cenobite the actress name is Grace Kirby and she is Clive Barker's cousin
0: there you go
1: interesting fact I'm trying to find any more the final ones I have oh the uh, the famous Jesus wept line was originally fuck you and they decided to change it to Jesus wept which is the shortest line the shortest scripture in the bible the Short- shortest, shortest verse in the yeah. bible yeah. so they decided to change it to Jesus wept which I quite like, it was good um, the The other bit that really struck me um, just finally, like we were talking about the uh, the weird skeletal dragon thing, which like I said hopefully it gets explained, but it was just a big weird dragon that turned a homeless man turned into a dragon um, was that Right after that, like that disappears and, and, and everything ends. And then we just go back to the same guy who sold Frank the box in Morocco with another person asking him, what's your pleasure? Which is, it just goes full circle and all the way back round. So I'm like, is this just like the world's biggest long con like you know this guy has the skeletal dragon in the back and like you know they go around they let the Cenobites out they drag someone to hell then the box goes back to the yeah. guy in Morocco and he sells it to someone else yeah, that he's would be my, making money that
0: would be, well maybe not the making money part more the kind of like dragging Leviathan people to hell he needs a constant sort of like flow of yeah souls into the yeah into the you know, into hell. But there you go. One, uh, the, one. The, 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 That guy. That that whole scene reminded me uh, of <coughs> two things from The Simpsons. One, where Homer goes and buys the the evil Krusty doll.
1: Oh, I thought it was the monkey paw. I and that's that the was... other
0: one. The other, well, the other one, where he goes to Morocco and buys the uh, the the the. the Wishing monkey paw, and the guy just like, (laughs) oh, he's right over there. Hi.
1: (laughs) But um, the the one bit that like I uh, that really made me chuckle when I was reading up about this is that like we we didn't say this movie goes. uh, It doesn't have a cold open. It just goes straight into it goes into the credits, and then it just goes straight into the movie. But it's just like black with white text, and one of the first things that comes up after the production houses and stuff is Clive Barker's, and Clive Barker, bless him took his mother to see this film in the I'd take your mum
0: I'd take my if I'd made hellraiser I'd take my, my mum she would fucking she would hate be, it <laughs>
1: i'm just thinking about what your mother would think of this film oh <laughs> my god oh, it's oh god, nightmares. nightmares.
0: Um, that's <laughs> but, a great but took, if you but, knew my mum you'd know that was a great impression but, of her. but he,
1: uh, he took uh, yeah he took her there and uh, apparently she got a bit like tearful you know emotional when she saw his name on the screen and then he just leant over and he went this is the happiest you're going to be for the next two hours
0: <laughs> yeah I was
1: like that is perfect but um yeah other- otherwise excellent film does it deserve Amazingly its place on shot. the list Absolutely. where is it 70 70- yeah,
0: 75 75 yeah it is 75 yeah. um I love it I yeah. think it's so good I only saw this film this is the second time I've seen this movie and I'd only seen it the first time maybe two years ago yeah I fucking love this movie yeah. I think it's so good mm-hmm. um and where really stands up with some of the other classics like you know you think of the staples your Friday the 13th your Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. your Halloween's when
1: you're thinking about maybe not Halloween I- but in terms of those horror. like
0: second like not quite you know Top tier platinum status kind of like horror movies. This stands up with with the rest of them yeah, really well. I think.
1: I think it's very good, and I think we'll probably see some moving up in the in the next reshuffle, which is coming up in about five episodes Whoa. time. So keep an eye on uh, behind the sofa podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We'll be putting the uh, putting the lists up in the stories and asking you to choose between two of the horror movies that we have uh, reviewed so far and telling us which is your favourite. And then we'll uh, be taking that into consideration when we argue and bicker about the list order. So, it's
0: going to be this the, the reshuffle episodes are going to get more and more in depth the further up the list we go. <laughs> I'm mean, be like, how do we even compare these two? <laughs> it's gonna be—it's gonna be a difficult one. Yeah, Jesus wept.
1: <laughs> Indeed. So that's about it. Have you got anything else?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. What have we got next week?
1: Next week, number seventy-four came out in nineteen sixty by a director that we have already seen and reviewed before.
0: Came out in nineteen sixty. Yes. Is it? Is it Mario Barber?
1: It is Mario Bava. Oh, wait, wait
0: it's Black Sunday. It is
1: Black Sunday. There we go. Yes. It. So we already had uh, Black Sabbath, which came out in 1963, and if I remember rightly, it was Black Sunday. Black Sunday came out first and was so popular that like they went on and, and were making Black Sabbath, which we which we really enjoyed. So. Black Sabbath
0: for me is still the one. of The movies that I have not seen before mm. has is definitely the highlight for me ah. like in terms of like new movies that this podcast has kind of exposed me to uh black sabbath has been my favorite so far excellent so i'm really really looking forward to seeing uh the seeing black sunday
1: yeah so black sunday is um a really basically... great
0: album by cypress hill as well so <laughs> <there you go. laughs>
1: yeah well done um yeah so the the uh the general idea of the film or the general story is uh while being burnt at the stake the witch asa vajda vows to enact revenge and my phone's just died
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you said that damn it
1: uh vows to enact revenge on her descendants hundreds of years later asa returns to life and immediately raises her henchman from the dead ready to keep her promise
0: Ah, sounds so cool
1: sounds so good
0: the description immediately just reminds you of a drop of water which is that amazing uh vignette in um uh, in black sabbath so i'm very very much looking yeah. forward to seeing i'm this. excited
1: because yeah neither of us have seen this i think i'd heard of it i'd definitely heard of mario bava but i'd not really i don't really know a lot of his work so mm. very very excited about that so we'll be putting up trailers if we can find the movie anywhere where we can uh, where you can watch it we'll be letting you know as legally well. yes of course um and yeah so let us know your thoughts on hellraiser uh, on Black Sunday, on any of the movies we've got on the list, anything you've watched recently that you loved, that we that you think we should be checking out, just kind of. uncut us.
0: gems on uh, not horror. It's but, not but, horror, but, but genre. It, on horror. it was fucking great. I loved it. Yeah. thought it was absolutely fantastic. I've not seen any of their movies before the Safdie brothers, so I'm. They gonna, do
1: good dread. I'm good gonna tension. I'm gonna go and watch
0: Good Times, which is also on Netflix. Um, and it's got R-pats in it. Oh, okay. A necro, if anyone knows who that oh, is. Wow, <laughs> necro's That's in it. So there you combo. go. Yeah.
1: Okay. So yeah, thanks so much for listening. Um, help uh, help us get over the uh, thousand downloads mark. Telling your friends, share our pages, tag people, let them know. Come on, come on, give us a follow at behind the sofa podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and help us reach more horror fans.
0: Yeah, come on. We have such sights to show you. <laughs> um, uh, so from behind the sofa.
1: Good night.